and welcome to Excel Church. My name is Pastor Alicia and I'm so glad you decided to join us on today. All right, let's take out our Bibles and learn from God's Word together, shall we? But first, say the simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, speak to me. Amen. Now our text these days is the book of Chronicles. Our teacher is the ancient and anointed scribe, Ezra. He is walking us through lessons on how a nation can emerge from a national crisis. And we're learning quite a bit, aren't we? It's been an amazing series. Six weeks ago, we began a journey together, a journey of becoming righteous, resilient, a people who remain strong in the midst of adversity hope filled in the midst of scarcity and determined in the face of demonic opposition. A significant technique Ezra is using to equip us for these things is to tell us the stories of Israel's revivals. Somebody say revival. The book of Second Chronicles has been called the book of revivals because from chapter 15 to chapter 35, Ezra records five revivals that each transformed the people and brought them back to God. Somebody say, bring me closer to God. We've already walked through a couple of them together, but here is a full list before we get to today's teaching. The first revival took place under King Asa. God let Asa know that the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to strongly support those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Somebody say revival requires commitment. The second revival took place under Jehoshaphat, who humbly admitted, we do not know what to do, but we look to you. Somebody say, Revival requires prayer. The third revival took place under King Joash, who reinstituted the time and rebuilt the temple with it. Somebody say revival requires a place. The fourth revival took place under Hezekiah, who when he discovered um, that God required the Jews to hold a Passover every April, decided to gather the people for a feast and revival broke out. Somebody say revival requires God's people to gather for worship. And as the people gathered, they realized they hadn't been serving the Lord faithfully. So they confessed and repented. Somebody say revival requires repentance. So to review the major things we've covered over the past six weeks, commitment, prayer, a place, corporate worship, and repentance. And some people ask, why was God so harsh in the Old Testament? Why did he punish people by allowing foreign armies to overtake them? Well, let me read you a little bit about Manasseh, 
the son of Hezekiah from 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Let's look together at verses 2 through 6. Manasseh did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He built the high places that his father Hezekiah had torn down and reestablished the altars for the balls. He made Asherah poles and he bowed in worship to all the stars in the sky and served them. He built altars in the Lord's temple where the Lord had said, Jerusalem is where my name will remain forever. He built altars to all the stars in the sky in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. He passed his sons through the fire in Ben-Hinnom Valley. He practiced witchcraft, divination, and sorcery and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did a huge amount of evil in the Lord's sight, angering him. Now passing your children through the fire was a way of worshiping the God of the underworld. The child was passed through the fire as a sacrifice to the god Molech. If the child died, it meant your sacrifice was accepted. No wonder God was angry with them. So Manasseh caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to stray so that they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Second Chronicles chapter 33 verses 2 through 9. King Manasseh reigned for 55 years. His son Amon succeeded him for two years. Amon was so wicked, the people assassinated him. Amon was succeeded by his son Josiah. I told you that Israel experienced five revivals. So the fifth revival comes during Josiah's reign. It's his story we want to learn from today. So open your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and open your heart by asking the Lord to speak to you. forsaken, ball is worshipped, witchcraft is practiced, mediums are consulted, all that is right is forsaken and all that is wrong is exalted. What does God do in situations like this? He sends revival. Somebody say send revival. Listen to this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. 
He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn aside to the right or the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. And in the twelfth year, he began to cleanse Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherah poles, the carved images, and the cast images. Then, somebody say then, in his presence, the altars of the balls were torn down and he chopped down the shrines that were above them. He shattered the Asherah poles, the carved images and the cast images, crushed them to dust and scattered them over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars. So he cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. So he cleared the countryside of idolatry and child sacrifice. Then, in the 18th year of his reign, in order to cleanse the land and the temple, Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, along with Messiah, the governor of the city, and the court historian, Joah, son of Joaz, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. And this is when things get exciting. The next few verses describe how the king conducted a capital campaign all over the land. People donated generously to refurbish the temple. Verse 14 says, when they brought out the silver that had been deposited in the Lord's temple, the priest Hilkiah found the book of the law of the Lord written by the hands of Moses. Consequently, Hilkiah told the court secretary, Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And he gave the book to Shaphan, 2 Chronicles 34, 14 and 15. In other words, he found the Bible. It had been lost all these years. Skip to verse 18 where it says, Then the court secretary, Shaphan, told the king, the priest Hilkiah gave me a book, and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. 2 Chronicles 34, 18. Imagine this moment, friends. Josiah had never read the Bible. Maybe he had never heard of it. His secretary starts reading to him. And the text says, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. 2 Chronicles 34, 19. This was a sign of repentance. He tore his clothes and he said, for great is the Lord's wrath that is poured out on us because our ancestors have not kept the word of the Lord. Second Chronicles 34, 20. Over the next several verses, God sends the king a word from a prophetess named Huldah. She says in verse 26, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants 
And because you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm bringing on this place and on its inhabitants. Second Chronicles 34, 26, 27, and 28b. God loves to make promises to people who are faithful to him. Josiah is fully committed to the Lord. So he does what every fully devoted follower at least should do. He tells others about his great God. He sends a message to everyone under his influence that they too should follow the Lord. Verse 29, so the king sent messengers and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the Levites. All the people from the oldest to the youngest, he read into their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king stood at his post and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul in order to carry out the words of the covenant written in the book. He had all those present in Jerusalem and Benjamin agreed to it. So all the inhabitants of Jerusalem carried out the covenant of God. Now, why do you think Ezra tells us the story? He wants us to know what God does for faithful followers. And he wants us to know the importance of scripture. And he wants us to know the potential of children. If you're a teenager today, Josiah should be your hero. At 16 years old, he made the most important decision of his life. The text says Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Teenage years can be your most painful years or your most fruitful years. It all depends on who and what you seek. At 16 years old, instead of seeking parties and pleasure, Josiah sought the Lord. As a result, he became one of the greatest leaders in Israel's history. Now, at 26 years old, Josiah had grown so much spiritually that he summoned the courage to spark a revival. Josiah took seven decisive steps to change the entire country. Let me walk you through them all. Starting when he was 20 years old, one thing he did, everybody say number one, he cleansed the land of false worship. He halted the sins of his ancestors by tearing down the shrines to false gods in his land. The first commandment says, I am the Lord your God, and we should have no other gods before him. So Josiah snuffed out the competition. It took him six years to clean it all up. Once the land was cleansed. He came back to Jerusalem. And number two, he cleansed the temple. 
Somebody say he cleansed the temple. Worship of God always requires a place. And we know that our body, where our body is the temple. But whether it's a physical temple or a church or a parking lot or a Zoom room, God's people have always created places to worship him. Because where two or three are gathered in his name, we know that he is in the midst. In the process of cleaning out the temple, number three, he found the book of the law. A priest named Hilkiah found the sacred scrolls and the holiest of holies. And when he read them to the king, Josiah tore his clothes and wept in shame, which is the fourth thing he did. He not only read, but four, he repented of not following the book of the law. God, I didn't know, he says, but now I do. And from now on, I'm going to abide by everything you've asked of me. Number five, the fifth action he took was he called the people to obey the book of the law. He summons the whole city and he read them the words of God. And then six, he and the people made a covenant to keep God's commands. He boldly said, now that we've read it, let's agree to obey it. I have a piece of paper here and I'm going to sign my name to it. And then I'm going to ask all of you to sign your names to it too. The people lined up and they signed up. Now I wonder what would happen today if I asked all of us to sign a covenant to read and to follow the law of the Lord, would you do it? Would you be in? Would you make a covenant with God to read and abide by his commands? If I put something like this in our post and asked you to comment below, would you comment? Would you agree? that you will read God's word daily and live it out faithfully? Would you do that? You know, that is what we have to challenge ourselves to do, to make the commitment to the Lord, to follow through and obey. And I've been praying that for weeks now, and I've been praying that God would send us a revival. Revival started for the people of Josiah's day, by signing a covenant like that. If we all began to commit our ways, might we start a revival right here? The seventh step Josiah took was, he celebrated Israel's greatest Passover. Now We don't have time to read all of chapter 35, but look at verse 19. It says, none of the kings of Israel ever observed a Passover like the one that Josiah observed with the priests, the Levites, all Judah, the Israelites who were present in Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Second Chronicles 35, 18. This is the story of a young king and a revival. God's promise to Josiah, if you will live by my word, I will take care of you. 
Listen to this verse again, verse 27. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God, when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm bringing on this place and on its inhabitants. 600 years later, Jesus stood on the hillside and proclaimed, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you, provided for you. Matthew 6.33, of course. A few generations after Josiah, judgment did come on the nation of Judah. But by then, Josiah and his revival generation were long gone. They were spared because they had sought the Lord and his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, are you picking up a lesson here? Because Ezra wants us to learn some lessons, lessons that will help us rebuild our lives, rebuild our church, rebuild our city, rebuild our nation. I hope you'll write these down. Lesson number one. Reading scripture changes your life. Hebrews chapter 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you will read scripture, it will read you, elevate you, change you, make you think more like God thinks. So you will see more like God sees and act more like God acts. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind happens when you read scripture. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The moments you spend in scripture may be the most important moments of your day. Ever describes himself in this way in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. He says, the good hand of God was upon him because he had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra wants you to know the scripture is vital to your life. And Ezra wants you to know, number two, it is good to make a covenant with the Lord. Somebody say, it is good to make a covenant with the Lord. The people sign their names saying, I'm in. I'm committed. I will be a scripture reader and I will be a scripture doer. Do I have anybody here this morning that wants to make that declaration? Ezra wants us to know that not only does reading scripture change a life, but number three, reading scripture changes nations. So many people today believe that they don't have time to read the Bible because they're busy, busy trying to become prosperous and successful. But God's promise is read and apply my book 
and I will make you into a prosperous and successful person. Is this promise just for individuals or do you think it works for groups of people too? Well, I did a little research into what happens when a group or a nation decides to dedicate itself to reading scripture. And what I found was that in 1700, the people of England were poor people. And if you've read any of Charles Dickens, you know they, there were workhorses, workhouses, I'm sorry, and debtors' prisons. And the streets of London were dark with pollution and filthy with disease. But 1738, Jonathan Wesley gave his life to Christ and began forming Bible studies all over the country. By 1798, there were 100,000 Bible study groups, meeting all over England. As a result, throughout the 1800s, England was the most prosperous nation on earth. In 1800, a young man named Hans Hogg gave his life to the Lord. He started creating Bible study groups in Norway to read scripture. At the time, Norway was ruled over by Denmark. Within two decades, the Norwegians overthrew their Danish overlords. And by 1900, Norway was one of the most prosperous nations in the world and remains so to this day. And in 1857, the United States was an economic loser compared to the nations of Europe. But that year, a revival broke out in the old Dutch church in New York City. People started reading their Bibles. In the 1880s, as frontier families moved west, they brought their Bibles with them. Every evening after supper, the father of a family would read the Bible out loud by candlelight. Are you seeing a theme here? By 1920, the United States had become the most prosperous nation on earth. People these days are, are worried about income equality, but time and time again, the Bible has proven to be the great equalizer on earth and people who study it prosper. It's the book that changes lives and the book that changes nations. Let it change you. God wants to meet you in these pages, not just on Sunday, but every day. He has things he wants to say to you. Perspectives he wants to show you. Somebody say, show me, Lord. Ways he wants to guide you. At one time, this book was mothballed in the temple. Don't mothball it in your home. Let it out and let it in. Share it with your friends. Be a Josiah. Spark a revival. Whew, that's my prayer. As we end this series, Father, would you send revival to us like you sent revival in Josiah's day? Make us children of your word. Move us to read it. Speak to us through it. Use it to transform us and use it to transform our church, our city, and our country. If you're making a covenant with the Lord today to read his word daily and live it out faithfully, repeat these words after me. Type them if you would. 
Lord, today I covenant with you to read your word daily and live it out faithfully. In Jesus' name. And if you would like to become a member of God's family by inviting Jesus into your life, would you pray these words? Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life today. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins and live your life through me from now onward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that first prayer, I hope you'll set an alarm on your phone to remind you to read tomorrow. And if you pray the second prayer, I celebrate with you. The angels in heaven celebrate with you. Excel Church celebrates with you. And we'd like to help you grow in your new relationship with the Lord. So I encourage you to respond and let us know that you gave your life to Christ today. Let revival move through us.